Kia ora koutou and welcome to Alice's Soapbox where we are getting loud for women in sports and today we're getting noisy with our mate Annalie Longo. Now you might know uh, Lith Lee as the current captain of the Wellington Phoenix or you might know her as the young gun that debuted for New Zealand at just 15 years old but what you might not know is how she came up with the name The Football Birds. Anyway, great conversation we're going to have today. Let's get into it. Welcome, my friend. How are you doing today? Thank you. So amazing. Um, I am good. Yep, it's a yep. recovery day today for me. So, um, but a hot and cold, it's been a massage, and um, yeah, feeling pretty good. How good. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, three questions to start with, right? Which is just to ground a little bit of who you are. So, the qu- first question is Norhiakwe, which is where are you from? Originally born in Auckland mm-hmm. uh, and lived there for about Oh, kind of 20 years and then moved down to Otatau Christchurch kind of for the last eight years and now I'm actually in Wellington so I've been uh, all around the, the big cities in, in New Zealand. Yep. Collecting them all. Okay and the second one for you is Nawaikwe which is uh, of, sorry, who are you of? So who are your people? Uh, originally um, dad, he's a, grew up in Aussie, don't, don't tell anyone that. But uh, he um, he is actually uh, full Italian, so uh, heritage is actually Italian. Um, and mum was a Kiwi. They met uh, on a cruise ship, actually. So um, they're uh, it's kind of my background or heritage. Kiwi, a little bit of Aussie. Don't want to admit it, but uh, an Italian in there. Um, and I have a fantastic kind of network of people around me as well. But um, direct family is two brothers, two older brothers. Um, and then myself, so I'm the youngest, uh, our family of five. And then, of course, the last question, which is simple but also complex, depends how deep you want to go, my friend, which is ma waikwe, which is for whom do you exist? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> Straight into it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, for me is around uh, – kind of legacy and leaving things better than kind of when I uh, was brought into it Um, so for me it's around being a good person um, and I hope that in whatever field it is whether it be you know and for me it's football and and life in general is just to I guess um, leave the, the the place better than I found it. Yeah now look a lot of people talk about that right we say it's a it's it's a um a line I've heard a lot in the sport, you know, around leaving that jersey better than we find it. Like, what is it that you're doing to, to, to live that value? Do you know what I mean? Like in your day to day? For me, it's, it's I guess, for football has been life. So I've not only kind of played in football, but a huge part of me has been kind of giving back to the sport. So alongside, I've always kind of coached. Um, I now work for New Zealand Football as the Women's Development Manager. Uh, and it's around, I guess, all of the game for me and, and, and allowing, I guess, others to have the same opportunities that I had kind of coming in. So um, it's paving the way, uh, it's leading by example, um, it's it's opening doors for the others, trying to teach and, and learn, I suppose, as I go and, and grow through it and just use that experience to try and, I guess, guide people into, I guess, the amazing opportunities I had and, and hopefully, you know, can I am a little bit jealous because I'm uh, getting older in my career and I see all the amazing things that are now available for women's uh, sport in general. And um, 
yeah, I mean, that, that's a positive. Uh, I just wish I was a, a little bit younger and, and could, could have these experiences more. Oh, mate, tell me about it. I retired the, like, season before Super Rugby started. I was like, dang it. But, you know, the such is. But then you, at the same time, started very young. So from, like, my stalking of you, 15 when you made your debut, which is, like, potentially something that, you know, in those trade-offs, right, that give with one hand, take with the other. Like, I don't think that would be as common these days necessarily there might be more steps on that ladder before they run out for New Zealand what was that like stepping onto that big stage at 15 years old yeah it was terrifying uh there was a a number of uh, older girls in the the group and um for a long time I I didn't really know that you could play for New Zealand or represent New Zealand in in women's football um it wasn't visible you didn't see it on tv um, I didn't really have that many kind of female role models. Um, a couple of other sports, but in particular, like football, just didn't really see it on, on the TV. Uh, and I loved Messi and um, obviously dad's Italian. And so we used to have kind of football on, but it was never, ever females. Um, and I guess, yeah, when I I'm kind of fell in love with the sport and then um, managed to kind of make it at that young age it was kind of like oh wow you can actually do this and you could maybe do this as a career and play professional sport and I was tiny although I'm still pretty tiny (laughs) I haven't grown since 14 yeah pretty short um yeah it was it was it was terrifying it was a men's kit I remember that came down past my uh knees and my socks were just as high so there's not a lot of skin you'd see but um yeah, I think from there it was like that kind of um, moment where I was like, wow, you could really do this as a female and, yeah, I could, you know, one day represent New Zealand and, and play football around the and world. So if, you, if you're doing it at that young age, like looking back now from a place of experience, like what advice would you have given to your young self that was playing that first game? <laughs> um, don't make it that young. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, for me, I think I did make it too young. I think if I had my, I mean, for us, we're always wanting to get that next thing and we're always wanting to chase the next kind of moment and go to the next World Cup and I want to make everything. And for me, sometimes I think it's also good to just um, embrace kind of the moment and really, I guess, enjoy being young. And there's a lot of moments I probably missed in my younger years that a normal teenager would have had the amount of occasions and I guess sacrifices you make when I made it um yeah at the time is like amazing but I do look back and go would things have been different um if I didn't have made the I didn't make the ferns so young um possibly I think um so now when I kind of speak to younger younger girls I said just really embrace whatever opportunity you're in at that moment don't look too far ahead don't look at what's next I mean it's it's good to set small goals and large goals but I think sometimes we forget about that specific moment and taking it for what it is and really kind of like grabbing onto that and enjoying that uh, experience in, in, instead of kind of moving on too quickly I think. Now is it true that you named the football ferns? <laughs> I did. I don't know if yeah. I want to claim that or not, but uh, we are, we're in a room, I think, and um, toying up ideas. Obviously, it was the Swans um, previous to the Football Ferns, and um, I'm not sure. It's, it's not that unique, really, is it, when you look at football and you chuck in the Ferns? But um, 
But, you know, it's good. I like the synergies that you're then connecting us up. So we're collecting the set. And it's also, it's part of that history, right? Because like the Blackburns who claimed their own name, then there's a part where it's claiming their own and that that's come actually from those that have pulled on that jersey, yeah? Yep. Also, like, random stats about you. Because I was like, you know, this is the thing. I, I What a treat for me to get to have a yarn with someone such as yourself because, yeah, okay, you, you crack on there when you're, 15 you're playing for the New Zealand side but you're also playing in the under 17s World Cup and are the first uh, New Zealander to score in that um, tournament and then you're in the under 20s then she's you're in a senior World Cup oh yeah yeah <laughs> just flexing and then the Olympics which I believe you're maybe the first woman player to collect that set is that correct yep uh, Wikipedia will tell you possibly <laughs> yeah um yeah I was uh fortunate enough to complete the set uh which was uh, a pretty special moment I suppose being the first to do it I think it was a, a little bit lucky in terms of when the under 17 world cup but it was the inaugural one I was part of and um one of my favorite memories actually was um it was uh, we hosted it here in New Zealand and having a world cup in New Zealand was kind of a little bit unheard of at that point and um especially being female as well having women's sport in New Zealand at that age so um, that was definitely one of my most memorable moments, that, that World Cup experience. And the crowds there, they um, held for like 14 years or something, I believe. It wasn't until the yeah, Rugby World Cup. it was a long, Cup, long that, time. Yeah. I, think it, I mean, it was only something around ten to 15,000, I think. But um, at that time, it was pretty pretty huge, um, especially for an age group kind of side um, and it being female sport too. So, um, yeah, we... Uh, had a pretty amazing kind of tournament. Uh, we picked up our first win and under 17 level and Rosie White, a good friend, she scored a hat trick in that, uh, in that game. And um, yeah, there was a, a lot of kind of memories um, and a lot of friendships from that, that have kind of gone through. Um, and it's kind of gone a full circle moment for me now. Um, Paul Temple, who was the coach of that under 17 squad is now the head coach of the Wellington Phoenix where I'm currently playing. So, it's been a kind of quite unique in the fact that we've kind of, you know, however long it's been, 15 odd years apart, um, kind of started our journey out together, him as obviously as a coach and me as a player and now kind of full circle, um, you know, back to him being a manager and, and me playing again. So, yeah, it is nice to see, I guess, us both grow and develop and kind of come back together later in our careers. They, they gave you the nickname Flea, right? Was this because of your size or you got a scratchy temperament? What's going on there? I just like to nip at people all the time. <laughs> no, um, it was actually a, um, a dancing teacher that gave me the name Flea. So my uh, background when I grew up um, was football, but also dancing. So in particular, tap dancing. Uh, so I always kind of did both all the way through to about 20 years old. So I loved dancing, I think. If I'm honest, probably dancing would have been my passion and um football was probably just something that I was obviously very like good at but it could take me further so that's kind of where it shifted into you know football becoming I guess the the dream and and where I could take it but yeah dancing kind of was in there and fast feet and nippy and yeah and then it kind of translated onto football um with Anna Lee being quite hard bit of a mouthful for teammates to yell uh so John Herdman the the first my first Ferns coach um kind of seen it was like I can't call you Annalie it's just too long and so Flea kind of stuck um so yeah my smallness my nippy feet and maybe my temperament <laughs> then you make your way down to Christchurch what pulled you down there 
Uh, originally, it was the, my partner I was seeing was based um, in Christchurch. Uh, and then not too long um, after we were together, um, I got the role at Mainland Football as the Women's Development Officer. Uh, and I kind of just fell in love with um, Christchurch. I, I played for Canterbury United Pride. Um, and from then, I was about 2013, um, we really kind of changed I thought the landscape of football in Canterbury in terms of women's football uh we really pushed on in the National League I think we were in eight or nine finals in a row um first team to kind of go three the three-peat um and I guess really kind of forged the way for Canterbury footballers and I think you've seen that progression now you've got seven or eight players from Canterbury region in the Wellington Phoenix playing professional football so yeah it was really nice to kind of be part of that I guess, uh, original group and have kind of watched these players grow and develop. And a lot of them have coached uh, and now they are playing alongside me. It makes me feel real old. But, um, yeah, it's been nice to see their development. And, um, yeah, it's so exciting to see them on the, the world stage now. As someone who's right in this, who's, a, um, I guess, an example that you look at in football who you think is like doing a really good job at the moment, you're like, man, I'd want to pinch that and that from those people and bring it back here. For me, I probably really like the way Japan work. Um, I think they have a very clear vision of how they want to play and how uh, they want their, I guess, their um, pathway. They created the the Wii League or they've called it the Empowerment League, um, which has been kind of a long-term plan. But I think what I really like about them is they're very clear on the vision and style they want to play and the type of players they want to create. And I think uh, in the past, in, I felt with, with New Zealand and New Zealand footballers, we haven't probably had quite a clear vision as, as we take little chunks of what, what are the English doing, what are the Americans doing. And I think what I'd love to see uh, developed uh, in New Zealand is like a really cl- clear way that we're going to play football and what type of players we want to create as it is it the, the small game, the short technical? We want to create, you know, players that are really tactically very smart, or is it we want to be physical, strong, fast athletes? And and what does a, a New Zealand fern or um, player look like, both men's and women's? Oh, no, see, that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm always interested in people in the sport to give me that insight. I'm like, okay, now I'm going to go pay more attention to Japan and not just the fact that I liked their kit quite a lot during the World Cup. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> You're coming up, you're playing in all these um, big international tournaments, you're playing out of Canterbury for a time there, but then you do manage to jump across the A-League, but first you're obviously going over to Aussie. So how did that come about, You're going over to Melbourne, is that correct, or was it Sydney first? Sydney Sydney was first back in oh, around about 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite a long time ago. <laughs> Um, and it was off the back of the London Olympics, um, and I got a call from um, the A-League coach. I think I put it out that I was interested in playing in the A-League, and um, Sydney FC came forward at that time. It was Alan Stadgett, who was the uh, Philippines coach that broke our hearts in the World Cup, um, but he was the coach and, um, yeah, decided to sign with Sydney, um, at that time, I think I was paid, oh, would have been maybe $5,000 for a full season. And that was the highest. There was about only four or five internationals allowed, and that was all I had. Um, and that didn't include flights, accommodation, or anything. So it was, um, 
very much a, a bit of a struggle. So I did anything to coach and support alongside going. But um, for me, obviously, it's never been about money, but um, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to be in an environment and professional sport in New Zealand and Australia. It was quite new then. It was quite fresh. The league hadn't been going too long. Um, so I was just excited to kind of go over. Uh, I went over and um, there was three or four internationals in that squad uh, and the rest were Australians. Um, and I didn't know at the time these players would turn out to be incredible superstars, but Sam <laughs> Kerr was in that team, Alana Kennedy, oh, wow. uh, Caitlin Ford. Um, yeah, it was full of uh, now these huge superstars that play around the world. So it was pretty uh, pretty amazing to, I guess, watch their, their careers grow. But um, we had an awesome season. Uh, we ended up winning that year. Um, and, yeah, it was kind of my first um, – time being in a in a professional kind of setup that's a great welcome to a, a new league like oh I'm in I'm here with all these other people and now we're winning wahoo was that the case when you turned up at Sydney or was it just kind of everything fell into place for you um it was a it was a challenge I think uh was for me um it was the first time I'd kind of lived away from my network or home so um that, that part of it was quite hard just for kind of learning how to cook and like everything that goes with being away from your normal kind of environment so um that was a, a challenge settling in and then when I come in there was uh, three Australians that played for the Matildas or age groups teams that were in the starting midfielder um so there was kind of no looking really that I was going to play or start the game um which was was tough coming coming in um, and it was that first kind of experience of like competition and competitive and everyone's there to win and, and everyone's there, they get paid. And like, it was just something I'd never experienced. Um, so I tried to fight. I didn't start for a number of games throughout that campaign. Um, and then, uh, one game he chucked me in and he threw me in as fullback, which anyone that kind of knows me will probably laugh a little bit, me playing fullback. And must have done all right. And then from there, I started every game as a fullback for the entire season, uh, including the the grand final. So I laugh a little bit because I'm definitely not a fullback. And I am definitely probably wasn't any good. But I took my opportunity and whatever the coach kind of gave me, I said, I'll do a job. And, yeah, I was fortunate enough to kind of cement my spot and um, become a little bit more versatile. We now know if like there's an injury crisis and everything goes round. We've got this on the CV. We can we can yeah. go back to it. So and then you and then you moved across to Melbourne. When did that happen? Uh, so I was I think 2019. So there's a, a bit of a gap. There was um, a real struggle. I think that I kind of fell out of love with football a little bit uh, and why I was doing it. And I guess that was quite tough when you um, I guess lose your way a little bit in terms of felt like I was giving up so much and sacrificing so much and I wasn't kind of feeling like I was getting enough out of of it and I had to kind of realign what was important and why I played football and kind of look back at that um, before I could kind of come back into the game. Um, so that was a, a bit of a challenging challenging section, but I signed back signed with Melbourne Victory and, and that was just nice. It was a fresh set of eyes. It was a new environment, new players. Um, it was just, I guess, a nice, refreshing kind of um, environment to be back in and found that kind of love for football again. Uh, and, yeah, we were fortunate enough in that first year. I think we made the semi-final. 
and had a, a good season. And then the following year, I stayed on. I signed two years, and um, we managed to win the championship the next year, which was pretty special. So you only made the semis because you weren't playing fullback. So the um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, you finally got to come home to the Phoenix, right? Um, I originally signed uh, in twenty. What was it? Twenty one. You probably know better than me after after the research, but I originally signed and um, and I was tossing up between going back to Melbourne Victory or or coming to the Phoenix, and um, in the end, my heart kind of just kept pulling me, I guess, towards you know playing for something I'd always dreamed of as as playing you know professional football in New Zealand, uh, and it kind of just kept pulling me that way, and I thought, why not? Um, I think I can really help and I think I can really kind of shift where the, the team was at that stage. And so I signed and I was really excited. I'd made the decision and I was committed. And and then I um, went away on a Ferns tour. And this is probably two weeks before pre-season was about to start and I was about to move to Wellington. So everything was kind of in order. And then I'd finally come to a decision and, and was set with it and then um, went across to the Ferns tour and, of course, did my ACL. So, yeah, that was pretty pretty tough um and then of course as I went down and I knew it wasn't good I knew straight away that yeah it's probably going to be an ACL everything kind of went through your your mind of um the World Cup at that point was 10 weeks uh, 10 months away um now I'm not playing for the Phoenix was that my last game ever in a Ferns jersey like all of these things kind of rushed through my head at that moment that um this might be it like this might be the the way the career ends uh, and for a while, I kind of thought maybe it was like I was pretty emotional because, uh, you know, I was old, 30 years old. And yeah, I just didn't know. You don't know how you're going to recover from a, a injury like that. And if my mind was able to get me through it and, and whatnot. So everything kind of went through the head and um, yeah, I didn't get to play for the Phoenix. So then following year came on and obviously the recovery went well and the World Cup dream kind of um, happened. And then um was fortunate enough Paul was head coach and and gave me a call after the World Cup and yeah it kind of felt like that little bit of puzzle of part of my career that I always wanted to tick off um I was getting another opportunity so I was kind of forever grateful to to get the phone call and then um yeah signed for the Phoenix and then of course <laughs> as it happens leaning into game one uh three days before opening game where um Paul had just kind of announced um, that I was going to be the captain for the Wellington Phoenix. And then, of course, uh, on the same day, I get a little niggle and tear something in my glute and I'm not available for game one and Honestly. game two of the season. <laughs> that Phoenix so captain's jersey oh, is like cursed. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, <laughs> don't name me captain till I'm already on the field. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, so um, I had to wait uh, a little bit longer to uh, to make the debut, but um yeah, finally came around and came off the bench, and um, yeah, it finally happened. <laughs> it's a, um, it's an interesting thing, eh? Because yeah, in that moment, I guess that's testing that work you did, right? Around, do I still love this? What were like the pieces that you put in place to make sure that you were like setting yourself up for the best chance? I guess at letting your body do its thing. Uh, I think for, for me, the biggest part was my support network. Uh, around the injury um, and Ben who is my physio was I guess immense in in my recovery and, and return to play so I have really him to thank for um, 
for the comeback, but we set a plan and um, um, so we had weekly schedules and we had, uh, I guess, a network around me around, you know, nutrition, um, psychologist, um, my family, what role they play, what role the head coach plays. Um, so we, everyone kind of had a role in, in my recovery, which was really nice. And, and I guess they were all there to kind of support that journey. Um, I mean, was it smooth as smooth? Definitely not. There was definitely ups and downs throughout it. Um, there was a patch. My physio didn't tell me at the time. It wasn't until later, but it was pretty much like she's got no chance. <laughs> um, I had a bit of a uh, comeback uh, with a bit of a kind of small tear in the calf and like some other things were kind of niggly yeah there was definitely some times where I was like there's no chance that that I'm, I'm gonna make it but um I think we stuck to the plan and and the plan had to change like we had to do things slightly differently um like when I did the the calf in it then we just tried to focus on another what else we could do instead and how can we not waste time just do things differently so um yeah, they they were really great in that. Um, and I think when you obviously have the carrot of a home World Cup, um, it did make it easy to be disciplined and determined. And yeah, I just I just knew I, I wanted to be part of that um, that occasion. And I'd worked so hard my entire career. There was really nothing that was going to kind of stop me. So that kind of in carrot and then having the right support staff, I guess, enabled it to kind of happen. Do you think you're a better footballer now that you've had to do a, a, a proper, you know, chunky recovery like that? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm a better footballer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was one of my, like, biggest worries was, like, coming back and will I be good again? Like, one, I want to come back, but I also want to come back and be good. And that mm-hmm. expectation of being, like, the old flea or, like, am I still good? And that was really hard to come to terms with. Like I got really frustrated at the start when my touches weren't as quick as they were used to and I couldn't do things, I couldn't move the same way. And so, yeah, that was always um, in the back of your, in the back of my mind, I suppose, is, is am I, am I going to be the same player or am I going to be, I guess, any better or, you know, what is it, what is the new flea going to look like? Um so, yeah, I do think I'm probably more of a well-rounded footballer, to answer your question. That probably helps you in your role that you've got currently at the Phoenix, right, in terms of as a captain, <laughs> because you probably need to have those things around empathy and around, uh, yeah, I guess encouraging people who are also on those different journeys, right? Like, have you found that there are elements that you picked up during that time that you've been able to apply across? Yeah, absolutely, I think. Uh, perspective and experience is I guess huge I think particularly this year this season we've had a lot of adversity fortunately we've had two girls that have now suffered ACL injury which has been kind of awful to to see you never want to see anyone kind of go through that Um, so I guess in that way I feel like I can help and support you know their journeys a little bit Um, everyone goes through a different journey with recovery but I hope in, in some way they'll they'll either reach out or I can be there as a sounding board if needed through any of it. But um, uh, I guess I hope my kind of experience and calmness around the group and maybe just shifting people's perspective or, or ways they look at things or being more open to the bigger picture um, that, you know, sometimes football isn't everything. It isn't um, It isn't life that we're more than just footballers, that, um, you know, things have to be like trying to have different things outside of football if, if football's the – you know, not the end all um, for everyone. Yes, it can be your priority and your focus and, and your drive, but um, I think it's really good in developing, I guess, the full 
full person. I have a question for you, though, I guess, is uh, I was talking to Liz Elder not too long ago, um, who was a Black Friends captain kind of around uh, uh, early professionalism as well within that Black Friends team. And she spoke about the challenges that that was as a leader in that space. It's one thing to be a leader in a team. It's another thing to be a leader in a team at a point of transition or a point of like where everyone within that environment is kind of learning around a new level of expectation that's being put on you at that time. How how has that been, I guess, for you in stepping up and being a a captain in this moment? Yep, I think you have nailed the season perfectly mm. <laughs> of where we probably sit as a team, I think. Uh, this season we've come into a bit of change um, and a bit of, I guess, adversity with a number of different factors. Um, for two seasons at the Wellington Phoenix, uh, the team, you know, finished bottom of the the A-League, um, struggled to win games, um, but set out a very good, I guess, foundation. A lot of players um, have worked, I guess, extremely hard for two seasons kind of coming in. And now this third season, um, the rules have changed slightly. So uh, we're allowed to have more Kiwis in the team. Um, we're allowed to have kind of foreign players. Without COVID, we can bring players in. So the dynamic of the team has, has changed significantly from where it started. Um, and I think that in itself has been, I guess, a, a challenge of, um, I guess, the, the hard work and um, everything that kind of built in the first two seasons, I guess those foundations laid now and changing, I guess, that expectation, as you say, and that mindset um, between, I guess, a team that, you know, currently finished bottom of the table and shifting that mindset to a team that, you know, wants to push for finals and, and wants to win games. Um, and that has been a challenge uh, and a learning, I suppose, coming in as, as captain is how you manage that. Think about your leadership style in that space. Is there, you know, are there people that you've drawn from that you've seen do this before that is a good example, I guess? Or is it a case of kind of connecting actually with who you are? What is it, or is it a bit of both, I guess? Definitely a bit of both. I mean, I'm, you know, fortunate to have some really good, um, you know, captain and, and leaders around me. Um, Ellie Riley, uh, Rebecca Stott, both two that um, I really kind of admire as, as players and people. Um, and there's been kind of many throughout my career that have all had slightly different takes, but I think it's kind of um, you feel like a leader has to yell a lot or say a lot or, or whatever it is, or it's just different. But I mean, that's, that's really not me. Um, I try and kind of um, be calm. I try and understand perspectives and listen and I'm a bit of a processor. And then um, I'll always demand standards, like particularly on the pitch, I'll be honest and, and fear, but um yeah, I hope that I try and get the, the best out of everybody and try and kind of understand and give that empathy um, before kind of coming to, you know, any decisions. How is it that you want your team to describe you? Hopefully, that's a really, really good question. I think I'd love them to kind of bring out my, I guess, my values. I think if they could say my values, um, then I think I'd be pretty happy. Um, I think empathy is definitely one, and I think competitive competitiveness. Um, I think I always want to fight and and win, whether that be fighting for equality in football, fighting on the pitch to get three points. I think I always want to fight for what I believe is right and what I believe is right, the best thing for our team. 
What about the fans? How do you want them to describe you? Ah, that's a good one. I think I think uh, definitely honest and and I'd like to say probably humble. Um, I think those are two kind of qualities that I like to be known for, and um, I think no one wants to get away from being a winner as well. So someone that I guess always fights, fights, and and never gives up. What's your thoughts on the um, chant that the Phoenix do for you? I heard a bit of the L O N G O um, at the. <laughs> the game yesterday do you love it or do you have some notes you don't really hear it when you're out there but it's it's, uh it's um pretty good you know obviously the football is important you want them to enjoy the way you play and score goals and that kind of thing but I think it's about creating way more than just what's on the pitch and I think more people come if the experience is enjoyable and um yeah I think family and community is a huge part of that so I um, was supposed to do rapid fire questions at the top. Can I ask you them now? <laughs> I'm nervous. These ones are easy. Okay. I know. I was just like, how do you feel about your entire life? <laughs> Why would we muck around on the surface? Anyway, these are surface. <laughs> Beach or mountains? Beach. Would you rather wake up super rich or super fit? Ooh. Ooh. Rich, because then you can just. <laughs> pay for everything to be super <laughs> <laughs> who uh, is your favorite team that you haven't played for mm. it's supposed to be quick choir isn't it going well <laughs> barcelona men's or women's obviously women's yeah obviously just making sure it's all default <laughs> default is women's here anyway shouldn't ask the question uh, any like game day superstition that you have to do every time uh, used to when I was first started, I always used to have straight hair and uh, always the same undies and always the same sports bra. It was like pretty, like that was non negotiable. Um, and then it rained and my hair was curly and I had the game of my life and that all changed. <laughs> <laughs> what song are you going to add to our match day playlist? My favorite is probably Whitney Houston, How Will I Know? Nice. Nice. Go to um, or desire at the moment kind of gets you up. Yeah, I love this. And what's yeah. the least athletic thing you did this week? Least athletic. I've definitely got caught in the net this week with my boot and fallen over. <laughs> um, and I've also made blueberry muffins. So I'm not sure if that's quite athletic yep. or not, but we'll take it. That's beautiful. That's all I had for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks again to my mate Adelie for jumping into the pod with us. If you want to keep this conversation, join us at Women's Sports. We're on all your favourite social media platforms. Uh, we'll be back again next week with more Women's Sports. Let's go. Let's go.